Why is the sacrifice of Jesus so effective for the cleansing of sin? Well, it's effective because it is the sacrifice that the Father wanted. It's the sacrifice that the judge could accept for human sin. It's acceptable because Jesus came to do the Father's will. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us today as we continue a message called A Complete Salvation. You know, Jonathan, as we look at sacrifice in the Bible, my mind uh, first goes to the Old Testament where we first see the concept of sacrifice uh, coming. And that was a sacrifice of animals made over and over and over again. Uh, what was the point of those sacrifices if what God actually wanted was the sacrifice of Jesus? Well, on one level, I think those Old Testament sacrifices were teaching us a very basic principle that God is willing to accept a substitute for sin. That, that's part of what they're teaching us. They're saying, look, you know, God will not require his people to die if a substitute is offered. And so we learn that principle, and then Jesus comes to be the great sacrifice, and we understand that God will accept his substitutionary work on our behalf. We'll accept his life given as a substitute for our life. That's one thing. But the repetition of these animal sacrifices t teaches us that the job is never complete during the Old Testament era. Sacrifices are given again and again and again, and their very repetition tells us that the job is not yet finished. But the gift of the Son, the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, our substitute and our sacrifice, that, that is the final sacrifice, that is the complete work. And in Jesus, we see the fulfillment of this great Old Testament picture. And when the work is done, the work is finished, the sacrifice is made, and sin is dealt with. What a great truth for us to think about today. If you can, I hope you'll grab a Bible and join us in the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 10 as we continue a message called A Complete Salvation. Here is Jonathan. I feel very grateful that we've got a good mechanic down near our house. I think I've said that before. A good mechanic is a wonderful person to find, a great friend to keep. One of the things I appreciate about our mechanic is that he doesn't always rush at getting me to spend money to fix every little thing that happens with the car. I've had a light shining on the dashboard of, of my car for some months now. When it first appeared, I asked him about it. I said, what's this? Do I need to do something? He checked it out with the computer and said it was a minor issue that had essentially no impact at all on function, but it would cost $500 for him to go in and repair it. He said to me, look, don't bother. I wouldn't bother. Just leave the light on the dash and forget about it. And of course, I was very happy to take that particular piece of advice. I needed no convincing. The sacrifices of the old covenant, they didn't fix anything. But they were a bright and shining light on the dashboard of Israel's spiritual consciousness. They were a bright light telling the people of Israel that there was something fundamentally wrong within each time the Israelite went to the temple and saw an animal bleeding and dying for sin, each time they were reminded that they had a problem, they were reminded that sin is costly and the penalty is high. And the fact that the sacrifices just kept on happening year after year after year, never reached a conclusion, never reached an end, it told them that the problem had not been dealt with, had not gone away. These sacrifices, they could only be 
a flashing light, a reminder, and nothing more. And they could only be such because, verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The sacrifices given under the Old Testament law, they didn't fix anything. They didn't remove sin, but they were a shadow of reality. They were a shadow of the greater sacrifice yet to come. And more than that, they were also a constant reminder, a flashing light speaking of the urgent problem of sin. And so the writer wants to say to these believers, don't be tempted to go back to that. Don't be tempted to return to the rites and rituals of the old covenant. They won't save you. They were there to prepare and to anticipate something else. And that's something else, of course. It was the coming of Jesus Christ. It was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross. By utter contrast to the sacrifices of old, the writer wants to show us that the sacrifice of Jesus, it now cleanses perfectly. It removes entirely the stain of sin. And the first reason for the effectiveness of Jesus and his sacrifice, the reason his sacrifice cleanses perfectly, it's simply this, Jesus came to do the Father's will. Verse 5, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. It's a great tradition of diplomacy that visiting leaders will give kings and presidents imaginative gifts when they come to visit them in their country. But within this tradition, world leaders often become recipients of strange and probably quite unwanted gifts. American presidents have perhaps received the widest variety of these. Theodore Roosevelt received a zebra and a lion from Ethiopia. What do you do with that? <laughs> George W. Bush received 300 pounds of raw lamb from Argentina. Lyndon B. Johnson received a Burberry raincoat from Great Britain that didn't actually fit him. He ended up asking the British Prime Minister if he could take it back to London and exchange it for another size. <laughs> Perhaps the most inventive was the crocodile insurance policy that Barack Obama received from an Australian leader just in case he should lose a limb to a hungry croc on a visit to that country. Whatever the gift, the president's job on every occasion is to smile, receive the gift, and then pass it on to an aide who will quickly archive it or warehouse it or destroy it as appropriate. According to Old Testament law, God received sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, all kinds of offerings, verses five and six. But here's what we're told about all those offerings. He took no pleasure in them. He kept receiving them for years and years, centuries and centuries, but here's the thing, he didn't like them. They were shadows, they were reminders, but they didn't actually please God the judge. They didn't satisfy his requirements for the forgiveness of sins. But when Jesus came into the world, he took upon his lips these Old Testament words from the psalm, the words of verse 7, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He came into the world to be the perfect and pleasing sacrifice for sin. He came into, in, into the world to be the sacrifice for sin that God actually desired. The sacrifice that would be given in accordance with God's own will. 
Now, when we talk about the Father's will in all this, we're not talking about some random preference. The Father just happens to like one type of sacrifice more than he likes another type of sacrifice. No, no, no. As the judge of all, he will only accept the appropriate, sufficient, and effective sacrifice for sin. And we don't have to think too widely or too creatively to see why the sacrifice of Jesus is actually in accordance with his will, pleasing to the Father in a way that the other sacrifices never were. Jesus came into the world, verse 5. And in coming into the world, of course, he became a human being. He took on human flesh. And we need to remember that it is human sin that needs to be dealt with here. It's human guilt that has got to be atoned for. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament, it, it did teach us a key principle in relation to this. It taught us that God is willing to accept a substitute for sin. The animal dies so that the people don't need to. That's the visual aid that the Israelites were given all the time. That's the principle. But ultimately, for a sacrifice for human sin to be effective, it must be an appropriate sacrifice, and that means it must be a human sacrifice. You know, if I came into your house, I'm a little bit clumsy, and while standing in your living room, I, I knocked over a priceless vase that had been in your family for generations and I, you know, I'm, I feel terrible about that. And immediately I say, look, I'm so sorry about this. I'm going to make this up to you. I'm going to find an equivalent to replace this and to pay you back for your loss. And then I come back the next day just beaming. I'm carrying a big box of uh, pasta storage containers that I picked up at Costco on a special deal. And I hand them to you just thinking you're going to be delighted by this. You might be polite and just say nothing and smile while inwardly you're thinking all kinds of things. Or you might summon the courage to speak your mind and say, look, this isn't remotely the same kind of thing. You can't pretend that this is in any way an appropriate substitute for the damage that you've done here, for the thing that has been lost. For sacrifice to be made for human sin, for a substitute to be given, it ultimately had to be a human sacrifice like for like. And when Jesus came into the world in the incarnation, in his spirit, he said to the Father, Here I am. Prepare to be the sacrifice that is given in accordance with your will. There needs to be a human sacrifice for human sin. But there also had to be a blameless sacrifice. You know, if I as a human being did a very noble thing and offered to pay the price of your sin, to pay your price, to die in, in your place, you know, however noble that intention may or may not be, my offer would be entirely useless to you. I have my own sin to deal with. I've got my own guilt before God the judge. Again, the shadowy nature of the Old Testament sacrifices, it did teach us something here. It taught us that the sacrifice that God would accept, it had to be blameless. It had to be perfect. It had to be blemish-free. That was a key principle from the Old Testament system. Only a perfect lamb would do. And the perfect obedience of Jesus to the Father's will in every respect, that was at the core of his acceptability and the effectiveness of his sacrifice. He lived his whole earthly life in the spirit of verse 7. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And on no occasion 
In any way did Jesus ever deviate from that obedience. And because he was obedient in every way, on every occasion, in all his being, when he came to the cross to offer himself, he offered himself as a flawless sacrifice, holy, blameless, acceptable, pleasing. It was a sacrifice that was given entirely in accordance with the will of God. Here is the sacrifice that's pleasing to the Father, that's pleasing to God, the judge. Here is the sacrifice given perfectly in accordance with his will. And this sacrifice being perfect and final, it sets aside all the others. This sacrifice means that the old temple sacrifices, the sacrifice is given in accordance with the law. It means that they are no longer of significance or value. That's the point of the second half of verse 9. It says, He does away with the first, that is, the sacrifices given in accordance with the Old Testament law. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, the one sacrifice given in accordance with the will of God. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Why is the sacrifice of Jesus so effective for the cleansing of sin? Well, it's effective because it is the sacrifice that the Father wanted. It's the sacrifice that the judge could accept for human sin. It's acceptable because Jesus came to do the Father's will. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called A Complete Salvation. Now, we have to pause right here, but we'll get back to the message in just a moment. Maybe you're relatively new to Encounter the Truth, or maybe you've just found us. You'd like to know more about the ministry. I want to encourage you to check out our website. Come to EncounterTheTruth.org. There you're going to find our weekly devotional called Moment of Truth. You can sign up for our newsletter and find links to social media like Facebook and Instagram, as well as our YouTube channel. And speaking of YouTube, if you've not checked out the YouTube channel yet, when you're on YouTube, look for Encounter the Truth, and then like and subscribe. And that way we can let you know anytime we post new content there. Well, whether you've listened online through the app or on the radio, it is all made possible through your generosity. So thank you for giving to and supporting this ministry. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book Jonathan has picked out called Faithful God, written by Sinclair Ferguson. This book will help you understand Christ himself and indeed the whole Bible more fully and clearly. And it teaches us so much about God's grace and providence. Again, we'd love to send you a copy of this book, Faithful God, as our way of saying thanks for your support. You can give a gift online at EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 1-833-99-TRUTH. That's 833-998-7884 or EncounterTheTruth.org. Let's get back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan. Next and finally... We can know that the sacrifice of Jesus cleanses us perfectly from sin because Jesus sat down at the Father's right hand. Verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 
You know, there are some jobs where you need to stand for a very long time to get the work done. You stay on your feet as long as you need to in order to bring the task to completion. We have quite a number of doctors and nurses here in the congregation, and you'll know all about this if that's uh, your professional world. The surgeon stays there working on the patient for just as many hours as it takes. You don't stop in the middle of a major operation and have a little coffee break and a snooze and come back when you're feeling a little bit fresher. No, while the patient is there on the table, you're standing there. You're working. And if the family then later come into the waiting room and see you sitting down, they know that the job is complete. The work is finished priests in the temple, they didn't sit down. There wasn't a nice comfortable sofa and a rack of magazines or a TV inside the sanctuary. No, that's not the way it worked. The priests went in to do their assignment. And as they served before the Lord in his presence, they stood. But when Jesus, our great high priest, offered himself to God the Father for our cleansing and for our forgiveness, he then returned to the Father's side in the ascension and he took his seat in the very presence of the Father at his right hand at the place of supreme authority. Jesus sat down in the heavenly sanctuary and he did that simply because the work was finished. It was complete. His sacrifice was, verse 12, given for all time as a single sacrifice for sins. And when he was finished that vital work, he sat down. He sat down to wait, verse 13 tells us, for his enemies to be subjected to him, for them to acknowledge the glory of his achievement and the reality of his universal authority. It's wonderful when people in this world, companies, contractors, workers, have a real commitment to making sure that a job is done and done properly, done right. We had some new windows put in our house a while ago. Some of the old windows were pretty worn and needed replacements. One in particular had really rotted and it just needed to go. So we searched around for the best company and we got the estimate and then we uh, ordered the installation. Anyway, a few Months after it was all finished, we noticed some damp and some deterioration on the windowsill of the replacement window in the place where we'd had all the trouble before. We, we called up the company. They were just great. They sent a team to have a look. They took off the frame. They inspected it. They put in more insulation. They sealed it and went away. A few months later, we noticed the same thing again. I, I called up the company a little bit tentatively and asked them how long their warranty would last to correct this problem, assuming they were going to tell me, look, your warranty expired two weeks ago. Sorry about that. Uh, and they say to me, I love this, they said to me, sir, there is no time limit. We are committed to getting this right. And so the boss now comes over, the boss of the company, he inspects the window, he sends a team, they do more work, we're very grateful. A few weeks later, <laughs> few weeks later, more damp, more trouble. And they'll keep working on it, no doubt. They're very willing, very kind. We're impressed by them. But the problem, it does persist. The work of Jesus, his work at the cross, dealing with my rotten sin problem and your rotten sin problem. You know, he did it right the first time. And at the end of the job, he, he, he went to heaven and he sat down. And he sat down because it was finished. And he knew it was finished. And the father knew it was finished. Verse 14. 
For by a single sacrifice he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now you and I, we're not perfect in our daily lives. None of us is. We know that. We still sin. We still make a mess of things all the time. But in the Father's sight, here is what has happened. We have been made perfect. Our guilt has been dealt with. Our sin, it's been cleansed. The price, it has been paid. The job has been completed and it cannot be undone in any way for those who trust in Christ. At the end of our passage, the writer quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31, the great Old Testament promise of the new covenant to come. And he reminds us of what God had planned to do all along what he intended to do through Christ from ages past, verse 15, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them after these days, declares the Lord, I'll put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. God promised from of old that he would do something new, that he would create a new covenant with his people, that he would deal once and for all with the problem of their sin and their guilt. That was the promise of old woven into the Old Testament scriptures. And the writer says to us, Jesus, he's come. He's offered the sacrifice. He has established the covenant. He has dealt with sin. He sat down at the Father's side and he's done that because the job is finished and he knows it is. I wonder if you have assurance today that your sin has been dealt with, cleansed, forgiven, wiped away for all time and eternity. If you haven't come to Jesus for cleansing, And for forgiveness, let me say today, you need to do that. You need to receive this cleansing by faith as a gift from him. He welcomes all who come to him. He cleanses all who believe. But you do need to come. You do need to come in repentance and in faith and accept what he's done for you at Calvary. If like most of us here today, you have been cleansed by Jesus, you've been cleansed by faith, let me encourage you, you need to live in the assurance of that and in the goodness of that. You and I, we need to rejoice daily in the finished work of Christ. If you struggle to believe it, if you are struggling to believe it today, let me invite you, look with the eyes of faith to the throne room of heaven where Jesus, who gave himself for you, now sits as your high priest, sits because the work is complete and the Father is satisfied. Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth, wrapping up our message, A Complete Salvation, and the great news about if you come to Jesus to receive that cleansing and that forgiveness, He will not turn you away. If you've got questions about how to begin that relationship with Jesus and to receive his forgiveness, I hope you'll contact us here at Encounter the Truth. You can do that through our website, EncounterTheTruth.org, and just simply click on the contact link. Well, Encounter the Truth is on this station because of your prayerful and financial support. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called 
Faithful God. It's an exposition of the book of Ruth written by Sinclair Ferguson. And Jonathan, what's the benefit in going back and looking at this Old Testament book of Ruth? Well, the Old Testament book of Ruth is so is so rich and so delightful as a book and as a story. And I think as we go back and study that book, we get to know God better because he reveals his character within this book and in the way in which he works so sovereignly within the, the life of Ruth and the story of Ruth. We, we see his grace and his mercy, his, his providence and his care. But beyond that, we see the way in which God is working out his purposes in the Old Testament to prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this Christ-centered treatment of the story of Ruth will help us to see the way in which the Bible fits together as a coherent whole, and we'll see the unity of purpose that God has in his interventions in history, in and through his people. I think it'll be an intellectually rich study, but more than that, I think it'll warm your heart. Well, we want to send you a copy of this book. Faithful God is our way of saying thank you for your support this month. To get your copy, call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's 1-833-998-7884. And our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. For Jonathan Griffiths, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us next time.